Good morning, everyone. Happy July 4th weekend to you. How many of you have Monday off too? Yeah, not as many people as I thought. Wow, wow. Yeah, it's going to be a great weekend. Finally get up in the 90s. It's going to be a great day, and, and we're just glad that you're here. Um, we've been doing a series, or we just started doing a series called The Chosen Summer. And what we're doing is we're using some of the uh, scenes from the series called The Chosen. And you say, well, why do that? You say, Sometimes it's hard for us to visualize what's going on in the story. You know, you read the language, you read the stories as they come out of the Bible, and most of us are hooked on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is. We're, we're watching Netflix, we're binging this and that. And, and so for a lot of us, we've trained our brains to watch things uh, and allow some of this visualization to happen for us. We're going to use a little bit of that here during the summer. Uh, now, if you're here and you're like, well, I don't believe the, the chosen is biblical, or uh, I don't think Jesus laughed that much, or I don't think Jesus is really that handsome, or whatever, let me just encourage you, just let it go. If, if you want an ugly Jesus, go ahead with it. You know, if, that work, if, if a mean, crabby, ugly Jesus works for you, and that makes you closer to God, embrace it with all your heart. Um, we're not interested in the artistic elements or whether or not those are you know biblical or not, none of them are against the scriptures. There is some visualization that's going on here, but when it get, comes down to it, it comes down to the scriptures. We're not trying to override that at all, and we will learn out of the scriptures. So just kind of exhale a little bit. I was raised Catholic, so Jesus never smiled. And then also, um, the only Jesus movie we ever saw was the uh, Jesus of Nazareth. And if you ever saw that movie, uh, that G G he always did these kind of weird things with his hands and shit like that. And we always wondered what was wrong with Jesus and as kids. And he was uh, like blonde haired, blue eyed, and definitely Anglo-Saxon. So it was kind of like we had this picture of it. So, so allow this to just be a moment where you're breathing in, just relax. We're going to... Last week, we learned about Mary of Magdala, and we talked about how God wanted to uh, restore our identities and right down to how he uses our name and how he speaks to us. Today we're going to be looking at some of our temperaments and our issues that we may have as we're going to look at the really weird responses and of, this, of the Apostle Peter. Now, Apostle Peter is really a, a weird chap. Um, he is, the Apostle Paul is like this you got Jesus, and then you got the Apostle Paul. I mean, Paul is like, gets knocked off his horse, gets up, and becomes this amazing apostle, and he's like, it's no longer I who lives, but now Christ who lives within me. In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me. Totally true for that dude, okay? And it's really where we're all heading. And, and Paul was like... But that's not always what most of us have experienced. Most of us experience uh, an Apostle Peter kind of life, you know? Um, not that, again, we strive to, to be all that Christ called us to be, but Pete, you're going to see that Peter is very much like us, as equally an Apostle as Paul was. But maybe you'll find yourself today as we look into the life of the Apostle Peter and visualize some of his responses to God. Let's watch. Okay. Stomach. 
Simon. Simon. It's happened. It's happened, Simon. What are you talking about? Did you run all the way from Jerusalem? We're saved. We're saved? I saw him with my own eyes, Simon. Who? It was incredible. Andrew, who did you see? The Lamb of God. He who takes away the sin of the world. Simon, we're standing by the Jordan, and John the Baptizer pointed at the man who was walking. Simon, are you listening? Yeah. Yeah, you're just not saying anything. I saw the Messiah today. The men, all of us, including you, have been praying for our whole lives. Don't you even care? Was he a big man? Big? No. Rich? No. He didn't seem he could bail us out of this debt to Rome? Maybe, maybe he was a doctor. No. So he can't help with Eden's Zima, who's now living with us, Andrew. That's just... So pardon me if I'm not exactly jumping out of my sandals because creepy John pointed at someone. You're scared. Lost everything. Burnt every bridge. It doesn't matter. The Romans don't matter if the Messiah has arrived. Anything is possible now. Don't you see? That'd be nice. Where are you going? Go ahead, Eden. Your brothers are trying to cook. I can smell it. You know, we kind of look at this, and we look at this response, and it's not the one, it's not the Bible one we want, you know, and to be honest with you, it's not in the Bible, that everybody responds to Jesus in this welcoming kind of way. We don't know anything about Peter's life before Jesus, um, other than that he was a fisherman, um, but his responses and his, and how we he acts in certain situations, begin to tell us a little bit about the emerging temperament and personality that he has. Most of us have a hard time believing when times get tough. Most of us do, like the Apostle Peter. Most of us think that we can do everything better than everyone else. I mean, a lot of us do. We just, we have this idea that you know, I'd rather do it myself because I think I can do it better. Most of us have a hard time trusting other people. I mean, this is, this is what Peter's issue was, possibly. He said, he just, I just can't trust anybody else. Now, we look at this, and normally you will hear a pastor like myself tell you what was wrong with Peter. I don't know what was wrong with Peter. Uh, the scripture doesn't give us any you know, clear picture of why Peter is where Peter is at at this particular time. Sometimes all this could be explained as arrogance or pride. Maybe Peter just was prideful. He just thought he was better than other people. He thought he, he, only he could do it. He could do it himself. I don't know if that was Peter's issue. 
It may have been, it may be, may be one of our issues. Sometimes we could all explain it away that Peter is just full of anxiety and fear, and maybe something happened in his past. Maybe his fear and anxiety is justified. You know, it's like, I have every right to be afraid of being left or deserted or not to have enough or to go hungry because I have experienced something like that. We don't know if maybe it was anxiety that was driving Peter, and, and maybe it's something that's driving some of us. Sometimes this all could be explained as just plain intellectual skepticism and unbelief. Maybe Peter was looking for more scientific information before he would make his decision. And, and maybe that's what was stopping him. He was looking for more proof. We don't know. But for sometimes, for some of us, it is what we're lacking. We want more proof about Jesus being the Christ. We don't always know how a person responds to pressure or hardship or to conflict um, and how that all has been shaped. You don't know how all that's been shaped in you. I am 64 years old and I don't know, I know how I ended up where I am any better now after 64 years. I mean, I can look at some pictures of my life and look at some moments and say, yeah, I probably made a bad choice there. Or I kind of bought into that idea over there. And I, and I probably, but, but really, well, why did you buy into that idea? Why did, why did you make that choice? And, and so for a lot of us, we can spend a lot of time trying to figure out why we are the way that we are and go through deep psychological and psychoanalytical process to try to figure out the reason why we are. Um, when, when sometimes... You know, we don't have time to figure all that out. Peter doesn't have the luxury of finding all that out. Um, for Peter, all there was, there was this obstacle to the idea of Jesus. And we don't know why that obstacle was there, but Peter had an obstacle. And maybe you have one as well, to the idea of trusting Jesus, trusting God. Maybe your obstacle was produced by church. You know, they say that right now the fastest atheistic growing uh, nation in the world, it's really crazy, you'll be shocked, um, it is Ireland. Ireland is the fastest growing, and you say, why? Well, it is predominantly Catholic, but because they had a rampant, uh, unchecked sexual abuse from Catholic priests against children and against women, and it was unchecked for generations, the island, of, the island is just walking away from church. Walking away. They didn't get intellectual information. There wasn't a new science that they discovered. They don't have a problem with the, with the scriptures. It was just that event and those unchecked abuses began to affect how they are. We all have ended up someplace, somehow, with some obstacles between us and Jesus. And what we're seeing in Peter is those obstacles right out front. I think he's an extrovert enough that he's going to do it in front of everybody. And he's going to do it multiple times. Um, so even after surrendering to Jesus, there is this need for control or protection or whatever it is that's persisting in Peter. I mean, after... and. He surrenders, after meeting Jesus and surrendering, he still seems to have a problem with this idea of surrendering, this idea of control. 
there's this moment where Jesus is, and Peter's been walking with Jesus for over three years, watched and seen a hundred miracles take place. And Jesus is about to get arrested in the garden. Jesus has told them that this is all going to happen. Therefore, Jesus again asked the crowd that was arresting him, who do you seek? And they said, Jesus, the Nazarene. And Jesus answered and said, I told you that I'm he. So if you seek me, let these, referring to his disciples, go their way. To fulfill the word that was spoken, of those whom you have given me, I have lost not one. And Simon Peter then, having a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear, and the slave's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put, away, put the sword into the sheath, the cup which the Lord has given me, shall I not drink it? So here's Peter in the moment. He's been walking with Jesus for three years. You know, and you, you, what would we do in the Christian church? We'd be like, after three years, you shouldn't be struggling with alcohol. You shouldn't be struggling with your sexual identity. You shouldn't be struggling with smoking cigarettes. You shouldn't be struggling because you've been a Christian now for three years. You should be totally over it. And here's the apostle Peter walking with the son of God, watching him heal people, watching him. He's already walked on water with him. But when he get, the moment gets tough, Peter's like, I'm defaulting to this. I've got to be in control. I have got to fix this for everybody. It's on me. I'm responsible. I can't trust anybody else. And he pulls out his sword and he cuts off the ear of the guy. Isn't that, I think it's amazing. This is not Peter before Jesus. This is Peter after Jesus, knowing Jesus, seeing Jesus transfigured on a mountain, turned in, I mean, glowing in the dark and, and, and all this stuff. And, and Peter's still wrestling with control for some reason. Jesus at the last supper begins to wash all the disciples' feet. Then Jesus poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I do, um, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. And Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. I mean, again, Peter just has a hard time sinking into Jesus, relaxing into Jesus, just resting into Jesus. He's always like, you know, responding. And, and maybe you're like that. And, and some, I, am, I tend to be very much like this. Though I am named Paul, I am not like the Apostle Paul. I'm more like Peter. I'm very reactionary. And I rethink things over and over again that I've already rethought, have thought over before and resolved. And then when the pressure comes on, I reach for my sword. Or I say, no, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. But listen to, listen to Peter to just kind of hear the confusion going on inside of his, his head. And Jesus answered and said, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter says, Lord, Lord then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean and you are clean. See, he, he just has a hard time 
resting. You know, it's, and, and I think we have this, this issue as well. Peter tries to tell Jesus what to do. Jesus said he's going to go die, and he's, he's going to be betrayed, and he's going to be crucified, and let the disciples know. Well, um, Peter turns in there and, and says, hey, um, no, Lord. Lord forbid. I mean, it's like, it's not going to happen. We are not going to let you get crucified. We are not going to let anybody kill you. Peter responds and just like, but listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. Okay, again, maybe we got a little clue into his temperament about this idea of setting his heart on man's interest, defaulting to our control. I mean, he tries to stop the Son of God from dying on the cross even though that's what Jesus said he came to do. What is it that we just can't let go? What is it that we have to always be in control? And maybe while, you know, we're just gonna spend a few more minutes together today, think about what is it about you that makes you respond this way? Because I don't know. I mean, arrogance, pride, fear, anxiety, a wound from the past, somebody betrayed you, disappointment, disappointment. I mean, that's a, that's a big one that, that makes you respond the way that you respond. Peter is about saving Peter. Peter is about controlling the situation, even controlling Jesus. Peter is about reacting in the moment. Peter is about trying to be good enough even possibly the best. I think that's a lot of us. For some of us, avoiding an addiction is the struggle of the day. For some of us, living with pain is the struggle of the day. For Peter, surrendering to Jesus is the struggle of his life. And so if you're here today and you struggle with Jesus, I I wanna let you know you think less of yourself because of that. I just want to let you know, you may, may qualify you to be an apostle. It didn't disqualify Peter. Peter always struggled surrendering. And so if you're like me, and if you're like the apostle Peter, and you struggle with it, God just wants, what we're going to learn from Peter is, what do you do when you, when you have these moments, when you all of a sudden chop off somebody's head at work? What do you do when you try to tell God what God's supposed to do? What do you do when you deal with disappointment or anxiety or or trying to be good enough and failing and all of that? Because that's the part Peter gets right. But we need to realize that we all come to the place and the time in our lives when the armor we use to control the world because we all have armor, and we all use this armor to protect us from the world and to control the world. We come to a point in our life when the armor is too heavy for us to lift, where the armor of self-protection and trying to be in control and trying to be good enough and trying to be perfect, that becomes the element that wears us out. Let's watch. 
Simon. It's him. Excuse me. That's him, Simon. That's him. No time for this, Andrew. It's him. Simon, it's the man. John said he's here. I know. May I ask a favor? I'm teaching these people, and apparently they're having trouble hearing me. If I could stand on your boat, that would be helpful. They're having trouble hearing you, huh? Yes, yes, of course. Please, please, stand on our boat. Thank you. I need to go. I'm sorry. No time for this today. Stay a few moments longer. I have something for you. For me? Uh, I'm in a hurry. Yes, I know. Just allow me a few moments. Please. Sam, trust me as I have trusted you. This man is the Messiah. It's good to see you again, Andrew. Yes. I'm Jesus. Thanks for this. Simon. In my last moments with you, I want to share another story. Can everyone hear me? Well, let's thank our friends for this strong boat, huh? Trust me, my yelling voice is not easy on the ears. Because I'm on this boat, my final parable should be about fishing, yes? Simon, please send me that net. When this net is thrown into the sea, what happens, Simon? Well... I mean most of the time. It gathers. A, a little louder. It gathers fish. Yes. This net gathers fish. All kinds of fish, yes? Yes. All kinds of fish. And the kingdom of heaven is like what happens next. After the net is full, Simon and the others draw it to the shore, sit down, and sort out the fish. The good fish go into the barrels, and the bad fish thrown away. So it will be at the end of the age. Angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into a fiery furnace. Do you understand? Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven, like you all are now, is like the master of a house who brings forth his treasures, both new and old. You are to do the same with this knowledge. These parables I tell make sense to some, not to others. Be patient. That is all for today. I have some business to attend to with my new friend.
put that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. You are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, I'm sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me.
What a beautiful scene. And I don't think they got that one wrong. I think they got that right. What I like about it is I saved this scene for last because this is what happens at the beginning for Peter. I, want you to, I wanted you to hear all those screw-ups because they all happened after this moment. You would think that if you saw your one miracle, your one giant catch, it will fix everything about your faith. It will fix and eradicate all your doubts and all your self-control and all that's wrong with you. And this beautiful moment happens with Peter and Peter surrenders to the Lord and he still cuts that guy's ear off and he still rebukes Jesus. And he still argues with Jesus about how much of a bath he should take. He still denies Jesus three times. And you say, well, what is the point? Lift up your head, fisherman. God loves you right where you are. And you may struggle a thousand times. You may blow it a million times. You may use words that you say to God, I'm so sorry, I'll never say that again. Stop saying that again. Just learn how to surrender. Peter did one thing really good. He knew how to say, I'm sorry. He always knew that he could come back to Jesus. It's crazy. It wasn't, even after denying Jesus three times, and I don't know why, um, if I'm an apostle, and Peter is probably like one of the heads of the apostles, meaning that when they're writing everything down, when John Mark is writing his gospel and Matthew's writing his, and John, who he fished with, was writing his, I would have been like, hey, could you do me a favor? You know that thing about the <laughs> chopping that guy's ear off? You think we could kind of leave that out? I don't see anybody's life really getting changed by that. Uh, yeah, by the way, you, you remember that time when Jesus like, said, get behind me, Satan? Really embarrassing moment for me. Is there any way we could leave that out? If there any, that part where I denied him, maybe just once, and then just kind of write me out of it, but the three times that I denied him and then me running off into the night weeping, could we kind of like tone that down a little bit? I don't think Peter for once asked anybody to take those out of the Gospels. Because I think Peter knew that he represented how most of us respond. The Apostle Paul, I don't know, the guy was just like, you know, on Jesus' steroids the moment he got knocked off a horse. But for most of us, we have a hard time trusting. We have a hard time forgiving. We have, we have a hard time releasing control. And Peter, Peter maybe never stopped worrying. And maybe Peter never figured out the way that he was. Um, but Peter made a choice every single day of his life not to yield to it. And then when he yielded to it, he just came back to Jesus. This is, this is the story. See, 
Peter wrestles with his own pushback. He know, you know, he doesn't know why he is the way that he is, but he he knows like oh, dang, I'm a, that was stupid. Yeah, I I mean Peter puts his sword away. What is that? Surrendering. That's yielding. Dropping to his knees, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. What is that? Surrendering. When Peter says, then wash all of me, what is that? Surrendering. When Peter comes back after denying Christ and goes back and meets the rest of the disciples, what is that? He is surrendering. And he remembers that Jesus told him to lift his head and that he was forgiven. Peter hates not being in control, and I know you do too. Uh, Peter gets nervous trusting other people, and I know you do too. And Peter thinks he can do it best, and maybe you think you can also. Um, And I don't know uh, if these inner struggles for Peter ever changed. You know, I don't know if they ever changed. I don't know if... If a man ever stops wanting to look at a naked woman, okay, I, it hasn't happened to me. Um, I don't know, I've never struggled with same-sex attraction, but I don't know if that ever goes away. I don't know if wanting to gossip ever goes away. I don't know if telling little lies ever goes away. And if that is a measure of whether or not you think you're saved or you think you're loved by God, then you are going to live a shameful life. But if you know how to drop to your knees and to God and say, God, I'm a, I, know, I screw up so much, I am just so sorry. God, every single time will say, lift up your head, fisherman. Lift up, just follow me. But what if I pull out my knife again? What if I deny again? That's okay. Grace abounds. Paul said this, and I got to quote him because he was extraordinary. Paul says, For I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen to that verse. Paul is telling his brothers and sisters in Christ that he is confident. Not for himself, but for them. He says, I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perform this. He's like, I have confidence for you. Why is he telling them that? Because they don't have confidence for themselves. He's not saying you should be confident of this very thing. He's like, no, I got you, man. I am confident of this very thing, that he who began good work is going to be faithful to complete that work. He's going to be faithful. Because there are times when you and I lack confidence. And Paul says, hey, remember, I'm going to complete a good work in you. Paul's telling them, not for himself, but for their sake, because they had lost confidence. And this is what we have confidence in. Confidence that in the he who began, that it's God that's doing this in you. That's that's what Peter had. Peter had royal screw-ups, 
But Peter had confidence that he who began was greater than his own mistakes. He had confidence in the good work idea. He really believed that what God was going to do in him was a good thing, even though it was hard. And he had confidence in the eventual perfecting of it, that it was going to happen in his life, that this good work was going to happen within him. So you may be in the middle of all this right now, and you're like, man, I just screwed up last night. All right, me and my wife, as we were driving to work here today, uh, we, we, we totally screwed up. We need to have confidence in the one who promised it, the one who began it, confidence in the work that he's doing in us and that he will finish this work. See, the apostle Peter had that confidence. He had that confidence. So I think the good word or message for you today and for me today is not everybody pulls off the Apostle Paul. Not everybody pulls off Moses. Most of us, we, we live lives like the Apostle Peter. We're the ones doing the worrying. We're the ones who are anxious. We're the ones who are depressed. Those are what, we're the ones that think that we're not good enough, the ones who make promises and break them. But it's great to know that God absolutely loves us and he will perfect us. He will continue to work in us. Peter had this confidence. So wherever you are, and, and I know that you would be here today and you would um, be scared to death if, Everybody knew what you had problems with, what you had difficulties with. It's funny, I was doing something yesterday, I forget what it was. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, 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 I was fishing. Um, and I, re I remember I was out there fishing, and as I was fishing out of a kayak, and I was fishing, and I didn't want to get my kayak turned the wrong way, and it's hard to fish out of a kayak, because the, then you're in the grass, and, and I'm like, don't, don't get it, um, your fish rod over there. Um, and line caught. And I thought to myself, because you know, if you get a caught, you're going to say the F word. Okay? I mean, that's just what I, it's like, you're going to say the F word. You know, you're going to, and you don't want to do that because you want to honor the Lord. I'm like, yeah, the devil ain't going to get me today. The devil's probably not even interested, but I'm just kind of like, yeah, that ain't going to work today. So I want to make sure my kayak, uh, that doesn't happen. I'm not going to get caught in everybody. I'm telling you, Within 30 seconds, I put my, my um, paddle in the mud, and I'm fishing, and then I turn around and look, and my paddle's floated away. And I'm just like, Wah! and I'm like, dang it, I did it again, you know? And it's like, yes, I said the coup de gras of all words out there, and it was louder than I would have ever said it. And I just started laughing, and I just, like, God, I am so sorry. That does not honor you. I am so glad you love me. And I tell you what, I am confident that he who began a good work in it, in me, a good work, will be faithful to complete it. And in between that good work and completing it, I am confident that he forgives me every single day. That's what Peter did 
awesome. So wherever you are, I don't care how much you've screwed up. I don't know what your inner struggles are, what you're drawn to, what you think should be out of your life. Because you've been a Christian long enough, you should be over that. Stop that. Just stop it. And rest in the love and the confidence of Jesus. And every day ask him to empower you, to forgive you, and to give you a vision of what he's doing in your life. Father, as we come to this moment, then we remember the sacrifice that you made for us by giving us your body as bread, your, your blood as the cup of forgiveness. I'm willing to bet that the Apostle Peter was at the head of the line every time communion was served. Because as it was spoken by the Apostle Paul, I believe it was true in the heart of the Apostle Peter for himself. I am confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in me will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God, help every one of us here to live with that confidence. The confidence in the he who began, in the good work that he's doing, in the eventual completion of it. And in those gaps in between, let us live confidently in your forgiveness. So Father, today as we eat the cup, the bread and drink the cup, we do this as a restoration of our confidence in your good work in us.